What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to In The Zone Radio here at 91.3 Real College Radio. So jumping right into it, we're going to talk about RSU and their men's soccer team. So uh, last week we were saying they had to get the win against Newman and they had to get the win against Fort Hay State. I bet you'll never guess what they did. They got the win against Newman and Fort Hay State. They did. And another talking point that I brought up was they had to be the ones to score the first goal. They did that in both games, too. So I think that has to be their mission objective for the rest of the MIAA and, you know, whatever happens after that. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, you know, I don't want to jinx anything, but yes, there is life after MIAA tournament. There is more that happens. But, you we know, just got to focus on getting through the first Yes, part. the MI double tournament, double, excuse me, the MI double A tournament is the next beast that they got to vanquish. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, that's that's the good news there. They moved up to the number two seed, meaning that they should get to host a game. Um, I don't know if they get to host a game or if it's all just going to be at Bethany where Southern Nazarene plays. But the final four teams to make the GAC slash MI double A tournament are. Southern Nazarene at number one. Screw you guys. Um, Roger State got number two. Fort Hayes State's the number three team, who they will be playing on Friday. And then Northeastern State, the Lake Chickens, got the number four seed. But um, Well, it sounds like we don't really have to worry about NSU in this situ- situation because they're playing Southern Nazarene. Well, here's the really interesting thing. Southern Nazarene lost another game. Two? Uh, I'm not sure who they lost it to. I think it might have been Northeastern State. I'll look into that here really quick. But, Maybe they um, took their foot off the gas and kind of let themselves get beat late in the season. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that much of a issue. Okay, so it was actually Fort Hayes State that beat them on huh. the second. But you know, so you know, may, so props to Fort Hayes State, Southern Nazarene. You guys suck. Um, you guys, lo- you guys lost the game the one time we kind of needed you to win a game. But you know what? Whatever. Sucks his life. Because if Southern Nazarene had beaten Fort Hayes State, that would have helped us out a lot, you know? Yeah. Granted, we still got the number two seed, so it still worked out. But going into that game, if Fort Hayes State had gotten a loss there, all we would have needed against them was a tie. But instead we needed Because we would have been up by one point, not down by two. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, Southern Nazarene, if you want to lose to Fort Hayes State one more time, please do it, by all means. But, um... Yeah, going forward, I think that has to be the new mission objective for RSU, get the first goal. The one weakness I think they have is playing from behind, and it's not necessarily to say they can't do it. It's just the style of play that they do where it's like possession, contain the midfield, control the pace of the game, doesn't always work the best when you're behind because when you're behind, the other team is going to let you control the midfield because they're all going to be defending. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, there's two ways you can look at it when you're up one. Do you go on the attack and try to get the second goal, or do you defend? And at the end of the day, it's a little different from other sports like basketball or football. Because in soccer, it's, hey, listen, at the end of the day, they need to score. We don't. So we can just defend against that goal, and then chances are they're going to leave themselves open and a chance might come up. But that chance that we get, will almost gar- you're almost guaranteed to score. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're almost guaranteed to be in a two-on-one or a one-on-one situation with the goalie, you know? Yeah. It, it's kind of one of those things, like, it's very nerve-wracking to watch when your team's ahead or behind, granted. But it's kind of been the proven, like, this is what teams agree upon is the most successful way to def- to play when you're up by one. Just to play really conservative. and just Play really conservative, because chances are a chance will open up and it will be a golden opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Depending on how much. But when you... 
try to play the possession game, it doesn't really help with coming from behind. And you know what I'm and you know, it's just it's just better to be ahead, let's be real. In any sport, granted, but especially in soccer, I think it's just better to be up one nothing going into the second half. But um I think that has to be their mission objective. Score the first goal. Score the first goal against Fort Hayes State, Southern Nazarene, Northeastern State, or whoever we end up playing should we get to the Super Regional. Uh, apparently they checked in at number 11 for the NCAA Super Regional rankings, so, you know, there's that. I don't know what the seeding looks like for the Super Regional off the top of my head or the NCAA tournament, but it's a good thing to say, you know, number 11 for the Super Regional. Um, we'll see where that ends up getting us, but at this point, all we can do is move our ranking up a little more, and winning the MIAA tournament would definitely help with that. Definitely. Um, you know, obviously, these next few games, they're probably not going to be at home. So. Well, you know, I think the one against Fort Hayes State this Friday will be at home, just because we're the higher seed. I don't know for sure, but I think that's how that works, but we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm going to be real, doesn't matter. Playoff season records don't matter. Where you play doesn't matter. It, it's just at that point you're just playing for hey, our season could end today and we don't want it to end. And it's just about who wants it more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, it'd be nice to have some fans there, but hey, you know, Southern Nazarene's a team in Oklahoma. If we have to play them, there's no shame in driving up there. Yeah. But you know, we'll see what happens. It's kind of just it's it's my honest opinion that once you get to playoff time, and this might be a really hot take. Having the home field advantage is overrated. You know, especially, like, that's just my two cents, you know. Obviously, sure, it's it's nice to have some supporters. But, you know, at the end of the day, those supporters can't score a goal. They can't make a save. They can't defend against the attack. You know what I mean? All those guys can do is cheer, say something stupid to you, and call you a bum. That's where I disagree with you. That, that's my that's my honest hot take. You know, Sayo talked about it when he was in here about a month ago too. He was like, "I don't care." See, for him, and I mean, there are players like that where they say, "Oh well, you know, the crowd doesn't affect me. I don't let it affect me." And that's the key word: is they don't let it affect you. There are guys out there who can't. They, oh, I agree. And but, when you get in those guys' heads and you're able to throw them off their game, that's when a home field advantage becomes incredibly important. I'll give you that, but I do think it's double-sided double, ed- double sided sword because I've noticed a couple times at RSU games, you know, at RSU the athletes like to go out there, and regardless of what sport it is, they talk a lot of trash. Yeah. They'll find a roster, they'll find a dude on the field, they'll know his name, and they'll start drawing that dude the whole game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've seen it a couple times where that guy won't even do anything. You know what I mean? But the team they're drawing at will score, He'll turn around, he'll start taunting the crowd now, and now he's feeling himself. Now he's in a good position, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, and I think at the end of the day, especially in playoff time, the only thing you're playing for is to play for another week. And you you got bigger things to worry about than that one college kid that showed up to the game. That's something I just don't agree with, but that's how we do it, all right? Is there any closing remarks about this playoff push you'd like to make? Just... At the end of the day, this, my philosophy with the playoffs in any sport, and I mean, I should I say any sport, but you know, there are some sports where like it's best of three series, best of five, best of seven. But for these series, when it's like a one game thing, every playoff round of the playoffs is just a one game season, and if you win it, you get to play another one game season. And for each 
round of the playoffs, you have to have a motivator. I'm all for discipline over motivation, but when it gets to playoff time, you know, something's got to be motivating you, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think for each of these, each of the guys when they go out on the field and for the coaches too, they have to have whatever their motivation is doesn't matter, but they have to have a motivation for each series. Right now against Fort Hayes State, I think it's just we beat you guys out in the playoff race, and you could sit here and call it a fluke all you want. We're here to show you it's not a fluke. We're here to show you we are a better team than you. We are here to show you that at the end of the day against us, your goal differential is minus seven, and if you put the two games together, we're up nine to two. And we're just here to extend that lead. That's what my motivation would be in going into it. And, you know, as a goalie, mine would also be, I'm not letting you score on me again. You shouldn't have scored at me at all, against me at all in the last game. I'm not letting you score again. That's fair. But that's just my philosophy. Everybody needs to have their mo- what their motivator is for this game. And the other thing is, for until Friday night ends, or Saturday, whenever they end up playing Fort A. State, I'm pretty sure it's Friday, though. When that game starts, when you get into that locker room, nothing else exists. The classes don't exist. The stands don't exist. The stadium doesn't exist. Nothing exists except for this game until the final whistle blows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever's going on in your in your personal life, social life, whatever it is, nothing else matters except for playing for the guys next to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those, that's my two cents on it, but we'll see what happens. I think they got a good shot against Fort Hayes State, and then, dare I say it, we we might we might have to we might have to deal with Southern Nazarene again, but we'll cross I, that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, but you know I've been saying it with just using the Broncos Chiefs as an example. The motivator I had to turn that game on every single year was, hey, they're gonna beat them eventually, and I want to be watching when it happens. So, knocking it could, on it, wood, it could happen. And I think if there's a better, good time for us to get revenge for last year, it's now. All right. So let's jump over to a different type of football. College football. In America, specifically. In America. We uh, we had some good games, yeah, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. And I, I know which one you want to harp all over for the next 20 minutes. Well, actually, actually, I want to start off with a different game. Auburn, I know it was against Vandy, but we won. So, uh. Jaquez Hunter had over 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns in the first quarter. Congrats. The automatic conference win is out of the way. Well, we finally, we we have a chance to enter the Iron Bowl on a four-game win streak because we beat up on Mississippi State. And next it's uh, what? It's Arkansas. Yes. We have beat up on Mississippi State. We have beat up on Vanderbilt. If we can beat Arkansas, I can almost, I really hope we can beat New Mexico State going into hey, the Iron Bowl. Hey, you know. Those D1 teams that play like D2 teams, you know, they're they're hard to play. You know what I mean? Well, New Mexico State's <laughs> like seven and two right now. Yeah, they're having a so good year. The, I was, I thought they were. The other thing you got to remember, Arkansas did get the win against Florida, and they came very close to beating Alabama a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, but Florida almost blew it. Is the thing? Florida did blow it. Blow it. Arkansas beat them. Yeah, I know, but like, or what I'm saying is, Arkansas almost blew it. They mm-hmm. had to take it to overtime. And let's be honest, Florida is an awful team. Yeah. They've got like no talent. How, how about that 21-24 loss to Alabama though? Uh, for Arkansas? Yeah, they lost. They beat. That, they lost to Alabama, but it was by three. Does that does that worry that, you at all? That speaks more of. Trust me, I looked at that game. That speaks way more for Alabama than it does for Arkansas. Okay. I mean, look at their look at Arkansas's team. I mean, K.J. Jefferson, who for some reason everybody keeps hyping up as, like, the greatest quarterback in the league. God's gift to college football. Yeah, and, like, 
he's done next to nothing. I'm so confused as to why everybody hypes him up. Well, I mean, you know, maybe uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday you'll figure it out. But Well, I mean... This we, is my honest question. Does that Arkansas game, do you think that's a good, like, measuring stick going into the Iron Bowl? You know, it's a common opponent. Alabama barely beat him by three. Only put 24 points up against them. Is there any, like, does Auburn have to be aiming to do better than that, or are you just focused on getting the win and getting to the next week? So it's a couple of things. One, I'd be fine if we just come out with a win. We could look rough and I'd be mad about it, but if we come out with a win, I'll be okay. A win is a win. Here's the deal. We played K.J. Jefferson last year, too. I mean, he's just a bulldozer of a quarterback. Like, everybody talks about how big Jalen Milrow is. How about K.J. Jefferson? K.J. Jefferson is built bigger than some linebackers. <laughs> All right, so, you know, he's a very talented quarterback. He's not showing it, though. And I'm hoping that we can hold on to that for a little while. Like, make sure he keeps not showing that he's a good quarterback and take advantage of it. I think Hugh Freeze is finally starting to figure out what works with this team. Even though it's against his philosophy, he really likes to air the ball out. Right. Well, he's realized this team is built for running the ball into somebody's face. And I think that's something that Nick Saban's dealing with on the other side of that coin, too. Like, when was the last time Nick Saban had a run-first quarterback? Jalen Hurts. And what happened? They went to the natty. And then they? Lost. And then they? Got... Tua. And then what did they do? Went One to the natty again, and then they benched him at halftime. Yeah. And granted, Jalen Hurts ended up being and ended up being a pretty good passer of the ball, you know. Yeah. Shout out to Lincoln Riley. I don't care what you Bama fans say. Jalen Hurts wasn't throwing the ball like that before he went to Oklahoma. But um, that's not really Nick Saban's philosophy either. And granted, he's an older coach, so he's a little more old school. Well, but, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, well, yeah, Nick Saban's dealing with that too, but I'm just, it's just something interesting, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Looking at his history, he's always been a pound-the-rock type of coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark Ingram, Derek Henry, you know, they had Alvin Kamara on their roster they at had one point. They had Yedlin at one point. That same year, they had Yeldon. Yeldon, excuse they me. They had TJ Yeldon. They had uh, Brian Robinson. They had Damian Harris. They had Josh Jacobs. I mean, they are just running. Najee Harris. Najee, they're running back you, as much as I hate to admit it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give that to Alabama. And Alabama's a lot of things you. Running that, back is probably the one, though. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's always made it a point to go with his best running backs. And I think I watched the LSU-Alabama game. Dude, Jalen Milrow, he he couldn't throw, but he could run. Oh, yeah, he's really fast. It's it's amazing. Well, and, you know, granted, I will say this about him. He, he It is his freshman year. You know, he'll get better. He's not a freshman. Milrow? No, he was on the team last year. Wasn't he, Was he a redshirt then? I think so. Let me okay. look it up. But Red shirt freshman, whatever. He so he is a lot. What in my opinion, he's what young. I, um. So Robbie Ashford, right? I've mentioned him before. Robbie Ashford is a quarterback on. Uh, he's a sophomore this year. So or Jalen Miller is a sophomore, and so is Robbie Ashford. So they're both running quarterbacks who have incredible running ability. They just really need to nail down that passing game. Mm -hmm. And you know, you give them time, I think they'll figure it out. Definitely. But if you ask me, this game against Arkansas is probably the closest you're going to get to playing, not playing Alabama by any means, but the closest of a team you're going to play to, to Alabama, Alabama in terms of how they play the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying Arkansas is the University of Alabama by any means, but as far as play style goes, I think it's the closest they're, thing you're going to see to They're it. pretty similar. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I've noticed, and a lot of other Auburn fans are starting to notice this, Auburn, when they play conservatively, we do not play good. I mean, playing conservatively is for cowards, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. His name starts with J and ends with F. Libby. So one thing I've, one thing I noticed was, uh, like, you know, in the Vandy game we were up a ton, and then everybody's like, Vandy scored like 15 unanswered in the fourth quarter, and all this. I'm like, it's not a comeback, dude. We were playing conservative. We didn't care if they scored. Right. All right. Now I will note that the offense played awful. We should have at least, even playing conservative, we should have at least put up one more touchdown on them. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've noticed is when we play conservative, we play awful. When we play aggressive, we compete with the number one team in the nation, and we give them a fight. And, you know, some I think that's a philosophy. Speaking of teams that play conservative, um, it's an Oklahoma station. I think we have to talk about the Sooners a little bit, especially yeah. with it being bedlam. Well, I wanted to give you some time before you... So, I will be honest about this. As far as the officiating goes during that game, I don't think it's the only reason they lost. But I do think it played a big factor. Well, I what, know what. I've, listen, I've come on this show before and said one call can't define a game. My issue with this game was it wasn't just one call. It's just there were things being called one way that weren't being called another way. Well, here's the thing. You've also come on and said don't let the refs decide the game. Right. And you, I will, and I'm, that's why I'm saying it's not the only reason they lost. I'll get to why I think they lost here in a minute. But I do think we need to talk about this. Because Saturday was one of the biggest calls from Vegas I've ever seen in my life. And I'll walk you through this for a little bit. So there was the first initial DPI. That one, I was not I was kind of 50-50 on. It could have gone either way. It just happened to go against Oklahoma. Brent Venables goes on and argues about it. Flag gets thrown for unsportsmanlike conduct. Well, he listen, we don't know what he said. He may have said something that well, really crossed the line. The thing that was said on the television was, you don't go onto the field. You can't do that. And that is true. You want to know who did that a couple drives earlier? Gundy. Gundy. You want to know who didn't get flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct? Well, now, wait, wait, wait. I think I remember this. So, didn't they, they gave Gundy a warning, right? You know who didn't get a warning? Well, hold on. I think they were treating Gundy's warning as Venable's warning, too. Like, if you see a guy get Venable's warning came with 15 extra yards. Hold, are you, did you not listen to a word I just said? They were treating Gundy's warning as Venable's warning as well, and don't. Before you even say anything, listen to me. If you are standing there and you watch your opponent get flagged for something, right, or get in trouble for something, they say, hey, we're not going to call a flag on this, but you can't be doing that. You are fully expected to heed that same warning. No. Yes. Not at all. Okay. You're hold on. So let me get this. If they came over to BV and said, hey, that's the warning, I'd get behind that. But you can't expect Brent Venables, who's trying to coach a game, to see that and be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't. If he gets a warning, Brent Venables should get a when warning. When they give warnings to coaches, they stop the game. They literally like will throw the flag, and the first flag for that is always, there is no flag, this is simply a warning, stay on the sideline. They side didn't line. throw a flag. Okay. That's the point I'm making. But, you know, you're not going to believe me on this, but let's move on. A couple drives later. We're going to get to the very the one that a lot of people are criticizing. Listen, I know you don't think it affected the game, but can you at least admit to me that was P.I.? Yeah. It was P.I. You want to know what happened two drives before that, that OU got called for? P.I. The same thing. The only difference was this ball that got thrown ended up hitting where the cheerleaders stand behind the end zone. Listen, dude. And you want to know, they've come out and made a statement. Do you want to know why they're saying they didn't call P.I. on that play? Why? Because eventually his foot went out of bounds and he was ineligible. Well, 
that but was that what, happened way after contact was initiated. Well, that's, he was forced out of bounds. That's the same argument that my dad tried to make for the OSU non-call is Drake Stoops' foot ended up going out of bounds. I was after like, contact I was, was like, made, yes, though. but he got tackled out of bounds. Exactly. My problem isn't so much that these fouls were called. My problem is it just wasn't going both ways. But it's not, like I've been saying, it's not the only reason I think they lost. A big reason why they think they lost is because Jeff Levy, for those of you that don't know, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, he's been very conservative all year. And for a while, I've wondered why that was. Initially, I thought it was just, oh, Brent Venables is a defensive-minded coach. The game plan is going to be once we get the lead, don't try to expand it. Just try to manage the game enough to where we don't screw it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But over the last two weeks, there have been the same situations happen twice. OU's defense gets an interception while they're up by a slim margin or down by a slim margin. And that turnover should be enough to catapult your team to the win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then all your offense needs to do is go score or get a first down even against Kansas. And they didn't do that. It's become aware, I've become aware of the situation. Jeff Levy has no faith in Dylan Gabriel. Despite all the proof that Dylan Gabriel gives him. So I will give him this. Dylan Gabriel's deep ball is a little inconsistent. Well, there are some inconsistent deep balls everywhere. Like, even in the NFL, there's inconsistent deep balls. Oh, yeah. But here's here's my, here's my what made me come to the conclusion of that. On fourth and five, this is the play call. And I kind of talked to you about this yeah. before we started. So they line up. They got two receivers on the left, one on the right. And then they got a tight end, not on the line, behind the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so here's what happens. Snap comes, Gabriel's in the gun, and instantly rolls to the left. So it's a design rollout to play. Yeah. Like, it's not like he waited and then well, tried to buy time. Now, let's be honest, that's also that's not a bad thing. I no, mean, he's left-handed. It yeah. makes sense. But here's, here's where it becomes a bad thing. Tight end doesn't run a drag route or anything. That receiver on the right ran a... A go route. I don't want to say it was a go route because he kind of, like, cut inside and then cut back out. So a double move, kind of. Nah. <sighs> It was kind of like a go five yards, like at a diagonal and go to the right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a double move. Well, post. yeah, we I guess we could call it a post. I'm not really sure what to call it. Um, but so now that guy just doesn't exist though, because when you roll out to the left, you know where it's not going. To the the right. right side of the field. Yeah. So now Levy is cut off the right side of that field. Now you got the tight ends not running a drag route, so he doesn't exist. And then the two receivers on the left. Keep in mind this is man coverage. You want to know what routes they run? Surely you're thinking like maybe a pick and slant or an X concept or something like that where the routes converge to try to open one of them up. Yeah. Nope. Guy on the far left, Drake stoops the wide out, runs a three yard and out. Keep in mind it was fourth and five. That's where this joke should end. You want to know what the other guy ran? Go route. So. There was also holding on that route too, but you know, we're not going to talk about that. So here's the, hey, listen dude, I watched that game too. Oh, you got away with a lot of holdings on the receivers, too. Yeah, holdings is a dumb call, the thing to call anyways, because let's be real. Holding happens on every play. Yeah, whether you're like a DB the, or not. The, li- the linemen, they wear, the. That's it's come out like they'll wear gloves of the te- same jersey of the team yeah. they're playing so they can get away with holding. Yeah, it's like it happens every play. Yeah, it was holding, but, you know, that's kind of just <laughs> holding happens it's on every life. play. It's life. If you call it every play, there would be no football. The problem I have with this is, first of all, you're running a go route on fourth and five. Then your other route is a three yard out. Now so, you have done you've got the whole field to work with on fourth and five, and you've cut it to the left side of the hash marks. Okay, so I think I know what he's trying to do. And you're gonna have to hear me out on this, all I'm, right? I'm hearing you out. So obviously your quarterback's left handed, you've got five yards to gain. You wanna have your quarterback moving to his dominant hand. So you want to part I agreed with. Move 100%. to his left. Absolutely. I like that part. Um 
that little post with the double move, I think I know what he was trying to do. And that vert, he was trying to clear everybody out to give Drake Stoops enough room to run. But nobody bit. But that's the problem. He didn't... I'm not saying it's a good play call. I'm saying it's... I know... I think I know what he was trying to do. And one problem, Drake Stoops is running a three-yard out, not a five-yard out. That yeah, should, that was the big thing. Like, you need a first down. You're not having your receivers go past that, the first down line. At least say something before the play call goes out and be like, hey, you know... I know it's normally a three-yard out. We're going to make a quick adjustment. We need five yards. Run six yards, then cut out. Run seven yards, then cut out. This time, run this route. You know what I mean? Like, it's possible to talk to your guy before the play starts. It says, just this one time, we're tweaking this a little bit for the situation we're in. Yeah. But they didn't do that. And then when you run an out route in any sport, I shouldn't say run an out route in any sport, but in any sport, um, the sideline is an extra defender. Mm -hmm. Why are you putting your receiver towards the sideline? Now they don't even have. Now he doesn't even have a chance to like make a man miss or anything, because as a de- as a defender, you don't even have to make a clean tackle. Just force him out of bounds. Just don't let him run back inside. So, this was to me. This was an instance of BV. Uh, excuse me, of Jeff Levy just trying to complete a pass. But if you don't have faith in Dylan Gabriel, that's totally fine. Why is he still starting? Bench him. You got this super awesome five star who's supposed to be the number one dual threat quarterback of his class. I don't think he is. Hmm. I thought he was going to be, but I don't think he ever ended up getting redshirted. And he's played a few times this year. And, you know, again, I know it's been against rinky-dink teams, but he makes smart reads. He doesn't make reckless decisions. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't have faith in your quarterback, why aren't you using your other guy? Now, if you do have faith in your quarterback, I'm with you there too. But if you got faith in him, you have to trust him with the rock. It's fourth and five. You've been calling screen passes and end-arounds and jet sweeps. All game. You need five yards, and you're telling me the only two guys you're going to have involved in the play are a wideout running the out route? You know, if the wideout ran the go route and then the middle guy ran an out route, that would make more sense because it's a little more space to work with. Or even better than that, you know, have the tight end on the right side run a drag concept, run a drag route, just so you have that extra guy because no one's watching him. So here's... I like that concept. Here's something I might try. If... If Levy is just trying to get the catch, right, he doesn't seem to be interested in gaining five yards on through the air, here's what you do. You have Drake Stoops, or you have uh, Drake Stoops line up on the right side, mm-hmm. kind of real in there, real bunch, kind of in that like slot. Like the slot area? Yeah, kind of in that close slot. You take a tight end, put him on the end of the line over on that left side. I like the sound of that. All right, so what I would do is I'd have this tight end, he'd run probably about three, four yards, and he'd run an out. Now, he'd have to take his time on this. Drake Stoops immediately runs a drag. You toss it to Drake Stoops. Tight end can block for him. He, Drake is a exactly. shifty. Stoops is a shifty guy. He can oh, make yeah. those yards. Exactly. And, you know, it definitely – I'll give I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. They did lose their main deep threat in Andrew Anthony during the Texas game, and he's done for the season. But you don't need a deep threat for five yards. Exactly. And that's no reason to just not throw the ball. Forget the deep route. They're not throwing, like, medium – distance passes either it's all short yeah there's no like 10 yard cut-ins any cross routes there's nothing like that you know what i mean yeah like it's literally just all screen passes screen passes running up the middle from the shotgun which makes no sense whatsoever that will never quarterback keeper you know what i mean yeah you know they did have one really good counter play from the shotgun where the guard where the left guard made a really good pull and it ended up being a really good run play but you know Mm mm-hmm 
If you don't, you got to have faith in your quarterback, man. Look at what happened when he had faith in him against Texas. Man put 34 points up and went down the field in a minute and 17 and scored the game scoring touchdown, beat the number three team in the, na- team in the nation. But I don't know what's, what the plan with OU is. I still think they're a good team, and at the beginning of the year I was saying two, three losses should be what they're aiming for this year before they go to the SEC next year. Mm-hmm. As far as the Big 12 goes, the ship's still possible. Um, Sp- I, speaking on that, what does that do? Because obviously Texas is going to be in the... Well, here, here's the interesting thing. If Texas loses a game, they might not be because now they're in that weird tie with all the two-loss teams. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma State has a tiebreaker against OU, so they'll be ranked above them. Yeah. Oklahoma has the tiebreaker against Texas. So it'd be another Bedlam game. Arguably, it'd be OU-OSU, or they'd all, they also need Kansas to lose a game, too. Mm-hmm. It might end up, be, depending on who beats Texas, that's some other stuff that will go in. You're either looking at OSU-Texas... OSU Kansas or OSU OU. When was the last time they had a second bedlam for the championship again? What was it? It was like uh, 2019, right? No, 2019 was. Um, it was 18 then? I'm trying to think. 20. Because it wasn't too long 2017 ago. was Oklahoma and TCU. 2018 was Oklahoma Texas. That was a rematch. They had a Red River rematch. Yeah. Then 2019, that's Jalen Hurts. That was Oklahoma Baylor rematch. Mm hmm. Then 2020 was Oklahoma-Iowa State. And that was the last time Oklahoma was in the Big 12 championship. Hmm. Or no, 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 excuse me. 21. I don't know. But um, no, I don't think there's been an OU-OSU bedlam in a while. Now, it'd be really funny because a lot of these OSU guys are like, we win bedlam forever now, even though they've won it 20 times in over 100 years. That's like saying next point wins when you're down by 50 in basketball. it's (laughs) It's not about how good the season was. It's how you finish it. Yeah, okay. Congratulations on being 20, 91, and 7. Too straight on you guys. No. Yeah, they won last year, didn't they? No. Oh, you beat them 28 No, wait, it was the year before that. They, it's the first time in a while they've had t- the last two wins at OSU. But, you know, we'll see what happens there as far as the Big 12 goes. All right. Well, we're going to head out on break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about some NFL football. You guys are listening to In the Zone Radio here at 91.3 Real College Radio. See you in a bit. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to In The Zone. You are listening to 91.3 Real College Radio. we got about 30 minutes left before the show ends, so let's get into it. We're going to finish things off talking about the NFL. I'm going to be real, man. It's a pretty boring week in the NFL. Not nothing, for me. Nothing really interesting happened. No one really good played this week. You know, the best team in the NFL was on a bye week this week. It was kind of boring to watch. You know what I mean? I know you're saying that just to get to me, but <laughs> you know who I'm going to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Let's be Let's be real. C.J. Stroud, uh, let's keep it brief, he balled out this week. What did he he end up having, five touchdowns? So he had 470 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Against who? The Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield. Hey, let's be Baker Mayfield played a pretty good game that week, too. Like, it was a pretty high-scoring game. Let's be real. Yes, but any time Baker gets beat, I rejoice. I know you. You love to hate on Baker Mayfield. I love it. It's one of my even though he's even though he's having a pretty good year for the most part. Oh, he's having a decent year. And you know, I I like to say I called this at the beginning of the year. The Bucks aren't going to be a Super Bowl team by any means, but I did say at the beginning of the year they were going to be the Seattle Seahawks, who aren't amazing but do way better than everyone thinks they're going to do. Except the Seahawks made the playoffs. 
I mean, the Bucks still could. That that NFC that, South division ain't that good. Let's be real. That's the sad part. It's still possible they could make the playoffs. So here's one thing I really want to uh, point out. All right, one C.J. Stroud popped off. He had four of his, he had 325 yards and four touchdowns in the second half. That's where that joke should end. But that's the second half alone. Yeah, that's just the second half. Um, one thing I really liked that he did is he clutched up without a kicker. So I Ki- mean, he had a running back. Kiami Fairbairn <laughs> hurt his quad right around the uh, right around the halftime mark. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe. Oh, Joe. Houston immediately started going for two. Like we scored two touchdowns and went for two on all of or two or three touchdowns and got Went for two on all of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what are we going to do? And like coming out of halftime, they're like, oh, look, this backup running back is warming up to kick. And I'm like, well, he's kicking off, but is he going to kick field goals? Because these look ugly. Oh, Joe, Chad's well, going to kick it. Chad's going to kick it. We get tied at 30. And I think it's like five minutes left is what it was. I couldn't tell you. And uh, it's a fourth down. And I'm like, oh, we're, we've – we're on the five-yard line. It's like a 29-yard kick. Dare gonna, I say it. Are we going to do this? Like, are we going to have to go for this? And they put out the running back. Chad's going to kick it. And I was like, what are we Let's doing? Let's go. I was like, what are we doing? Guys, we haven't even kicked extra points with this guy, <laughs> and you want to kick a 30-yard field goal? What is I wrong I hope he makes you? it. I was like, he better make it. He better. He drilled that thing. <laughs> oh, my word. That thing was down the pipe. It was... Beautiful in its simplicity. <laughs> in its simplicity. It's only a running back kicking a field goal. Can't get more football than that. So we end up taking the three-point lead, and we, there's like maybe two minutes left, maybe a few. But Baker starts driving, and they hit Cade Otten, Cade Otten who, shout out to him, tight end. He had uh, six receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns. You know, for the Buccaneers, good for him. Um, they take that seven-point lead. There's 46 seconds left. And I said, oh, I looked at my dad. I'm like, dude, he's been do- going off all day, but I don't know if he's got it, like, for 46 seconds. Yeah, you're right. He didn't have it for 46 seconds. He had it for 40, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dear Lord, we had two timeouts. And in my opinion, okay, in my opinion, I don't think D'Amico Ryans used the timeouts as well as I would have wanted him to. Or he'll, he'll figure it out. Like, the time management, I mean, if it works, it works, but, like, the time management was not great. Right. Because we run a play, immediately call a timeout. And, I mean, fine, run one over the middle, you've got the timeouts. Then we call another play, and it's this short little dump off, and we get a few more yards, and I think there's 16 seconds left. And he, C.J. Stroud goes and spikes the ball. Well, the spike doesn't count because D'Amico Ryan's called another timeout. And that's why I'm like, like the first timeout, I get it. All right, establish something, see if you can take a shot. The second play, what are we doing, guys? That don't make much sense. No. Now but let's let's move on. So the next play, there's 16 <sighs> seconds left. I'm like, all right, we've got a while to go. C.J. Stroud takes the ball, drops back, throws Tankdale wide open. I mean, toe drag. He puts us on, like, the eight-yard line oh. and goes out of bounds. And I was like, dude, we might actually do this. So we have 10 seconds left. CJ Stroud takes the ball again. He throws. Tankdale in the end zone, toe drag again. 
All right, so we know exactly who the Texans are trading at the end of the year when they have a really good year and oh. a receiver built up a lot of great chemistry with their super good quarterback. Uh, dude, we know exactly who they're trading to Arizona for a bag of chips and an old running back. Yeah, Noah Brown. <laughs> uh, Noah Brown had six for one fifty three and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz had ten for one thirty and a touchdown, and Tank Dell had six for one fourteen and two touchdowns. Yep, one of those guys is going to Arizona next year for a bag of chips and an old running back because the coach doesn't like him. D'Amico Ryan's for the for the thing. He's not Bill it. O'Brien. He's not <laughs> Bill O'Brien. Don't pull a Bill O'Brien. He but, won't. Um, he won't do that to me. Let's talk about some other teams. One game that I really want to highlight. Uh, well, two games, I guess. The first one I want to talk about: Josh Dobbs. Oh my! My goodness. man has been in Minnesota for twenty minutes. Doesn't even know what the playbook looks like, and he leads the crippled Vikings. No Justin Jefferson. It's... to a win. Let's go! And not only a win, Josh Dobbs, not is the man. Not only a win, but like he had three total touchdowns. He balled out. Now, granted, he. So the first two things that happened, right, is one of his first drives in, he takes a safety. And I'm like, yeah. and I just sat there. I'm like, dude, I feel bad for him. He's in such an awkward position. He like this is the only time I'll give a guy a pass for being that bad. You mean like Baker Mayfield last year when he was in L.A. For that, I gave him credit for the <laughs> know, LA just, job. I'm just messing you. But, I'm just messing with um, you. There was that he lost. He had three fumbles and he lost two of them. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, dude, this is gonna get out of hand. And then he's like, oh yeah, wait, I can actually throw a ball. And he threw two touchdowns and ran for one. I will say this about Josh Dobbs. I'm not calling him Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or anyone like that. But to do what he did, this man has been kind of under the radar this year, and I think a lot of the NFL sleeping on him. I was really surprised when Arizona traded him to Minnesota. I kind of figured they were going to roll with him until Kyler Murray was 100%. Maybe deal him out at the offseason if Kyler Murray doesn't work out. Kyler Murray didn't start this weekend, though. Clayton Toon. And, you know, that's the interesting thing about it. Like, if Kyler Murray was, like, clear to play and, like, he was 100% and he was ready to go, I see it. You know, roll with the guy who's been there for a few years. But I was kind of surprised they didn't. They traded Josh Dobbs when they did. And, you know, now Case Keenum popped his Achilles a couple weeks ago. Case Keenum? Excuse me. I, I have this tendency to call Kirk Cousins Case Keenum for some reason. You're a few year. Hey, listen, Kirk Cousins took over the year after Case Keenum. So. That's that's probably what it is. You know, they both play for Vi- the Vikings. But, um, yeah, Kirk Cousins popped his Achilles a couple weeks ago. and uh, Oh, yeah, speaking of popped Achilles, Cam Akers, second Achilles tear in three years. Yeah, it's a shame. But, um, yeah, he might have a, dare I say, he might have some competition for his job next year. Because, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's he's not old, but he's getting up there and, you know, Torn Achilles is very serious injury. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are saying, Aaron Rodgers might be done next year. But with the way things are shaping up and the way history's gone, I think this is a very bold predict- prediction. Next year in Minnesota, there's going to be a three-way quarterback battle between Kirk Cousins, Josh Dobbs, and Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. After one year with the Jets, he goes to Minnesota. So. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I know Jaron Hall didn't get much before he got knocked out with a concussion. He didn't get, really get much to prove himself. Right. But in one drive, or two drives, I think is what it was, five for six, 78 yards. He had uh, was two rushes for 11 yards. And it was actually a rush that got him knocked out because he went, he went to rush for a touchdown with five yards, lowered his head, and got smoked. So 
Maybe they keep Jaron Hall around. Maybe they see potential in him. Who knows? But um, we'll see. One other game that I think we just have to talk about. I think it's just customary. Cowboys and the Eagles. Mm, yes. Bro, when I say that I've lost what, whatever sliver of faith I had in Dallas is gone, I mean it. That Did you see the ending of that game? Yes. That was ridiculous. The Eagles were choking. They were selling the game like it was up for grabs at a pawn shop. And then Dallas really just said, no, we're better at selling games than you are. And they go from being, what was it? Less, it was less than 10 yards away from the end zone. Red but zone. It was he, in the red zone. When he threw the ball to CD Lamb or when he caught it? No, like before all the penalties. Oh. They had to, they were in the red, they had to be within the 10, right? I think so, yeah. Then, you know, there was a penalty. Uh, I think it was, what was it? There, there excuse me. Uh, Dak Prescott got sacked. Mm-hmm. Brilliant job, Dak. Last call, Hail Mary Prescott gets sacked. Um, then there's a delay of game. So now they've gone from being about eight yards away to about 20 or 30 yards away. Then Dak throws the deep ball. CeeDee Lamb catches it and doesn't get into the end zone. That's not on CeeDee Lamb, though. It's not on CeeDee Lamb, but you know who it is on? Dak for The Cowboys it. as a whole. Not necessarily Dak. It kind of looked like that was one where it was like, hey, get the ball out quick. We're 20 yards away. There's no reason to throw it up when there's going to be seven guys around it. Mm-hmm. That one, I think that was a design play call that just didn't work out. But Dallas... You guys were like eight yards away from beating Philly. You were eight yards away from me giving you a shred of credit for the first time since I was born. Listen. (sighs) Dallas! And here's the thing, though. This is why people make fun of you. This is why it's so fun to make fun of Cowboys fans. Dak did really good. He had a good game. 374 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. 115 passer rating. I mean, CeeDee Lamb had 11 receptions for 191 yards. CeeDee Lamb is amazing. I'm still mad Denver didn't draft him. And, like, all in all, Dallas had a good game. But this game represents Dallas as a team and an organization. Because what is it? Great regular seasons. So, great games. But when it gets to playoffs, crunch time of the game, they fall apart. Losing in the divisional round. They fall apart. And... That's something that they've – it's just what they're notorious for at this point. Yeah, and, you know, it's just – I feel bad for them because they have so much talent on that team, but they just can't get it to work. Oh, I don't feel bad for them at all. Uh, yeah, saying feel bad for them is a bit of a bit of a misquote. But, like, it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating. you got Micah Parsons, who's very well – who is almost definitely a favorite for DPOY. If does if he doesn't get it, Micah Parsons is always in that conversation. Yeah, you got C.D. Lamb, you got Tony Pollard, Trayvon Diggs is hurt, but you got him too. Like you, got, I mean, uh, who's the new guy? It's uh, oh, for Deron Bland. You got so many guys on this team that are supposed to be so good, and you can't make it work the second you play a good team. It. Speaking of that. There is one team I want to bring up. Miami. Miami. What? Every time I want, I, I want Miami to do good. 
It, you can't. You can't listen. The only guy on that team I even relatively don't like is Tyreek Hill, and that's because he's on the Chiefs. That's just because he used to be on the Chiefs. It's kind of hard to I not mean, root for Miami. Yeah, I. That's coming from a guy who watched him put seventy up on his team. Yeah, and I, Miami's just a likable team, and they're fun to watch on offense. And I mean, like, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm rooting for them. I'm going to be heartbroken, but like. It's mainly because I'm Mike McDaniel. I think he's just... He's such a fun dude. He's such a goofy dude that I'm like, yeah, you know what? I told, I what was the play call? Score? You know what? That, that's why. It's because he's such a goofy dude that I'm just like, you know what? I hope you do something good with yourself. But, you know, the question has to be brought up. Is Miami going to be that team this year that kind of just ends up being a good little against, fraudulent? Good against bad teams. They're what? What's their record? Six and three now? Six and three. Those three losses all came against teams with winning records. And those six wins came against teams with losing, losing records. records. You know what I mean? And it, I hate to do that because it is still just barely midseason. You know, teams do lose. But you do have to start asking, is that going to be the one random AFC team who always starts off really good and then just falls apart? There's one of those teams every year. And I think the Dolphins are going to be one of those teams. There's another one. That we can talk about. But yeah, first, the Cowboys. No, a different uh, one. Let's talk about first this game in general. Um, Mahomes didn't have a great day either. He really didn't. I mean, like, I don't want to hear you say he has the flu. That's the dumbest excuse by I've his, ever heard. Okay, by his standards. It's really weird because as much as, like, who is it? Chris Collinsworth wants to talk about him Everyone and all that. at ESPN. When I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror and say, I'm Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> uh, that was so bad. Um, but... 185 yards, really bad for him. But he had two touchdowns, so I mean, like, I don't know. Here's the thing. I'll tell you exactly what the issue is in Kansas City. Their offense is Travis Kelsey. In that random time that, uh, the random time that Isaiah Pacheco goes on an 80-yard run. Exactly. Running like he's mad at the ground. Exactly. Listen, I'm not trying to discredit Patrick Mahomes. He is a great quarterback. But oh, yeah. let's be real. Let's look at all the great quarterbacks over the years. They've needed help. Yeah. Even Tom Brady had Gronkowski most of his year. And he also had Randy Moss. He had at one Randy point. Moss. He had Gronk. He had Wes Welker. He had Julian Edelman. Edelman. Yeah. Deion like, Branch. You know, nobody remembers him, but he was right. really good. And, you know, Brock Purdy, everyone likes to sit here and be like, oh, he's overrated because he's got all these super great guys. Every offense needs more than just a quarterback. You are, uh, this has been my philosophy for a long time. You are only as good as who you can throw the ball to and who you can hand it off to as a quarterback. It's a very tough position to play. Probably the toughest position to play in all the sports. But you are only as good at it as the guys you can give the ball to. And teams are starting to catch on that Travis Kelsey is the only real threat on that offense. And you'd think that, you know, with Travis Kelsey being as good as he is, he'd guard, you know... Travis Kelsey takes the double team, or sometimes, I swear, even the triple team. Yeah. And you, that should leave somebody open, but nobody's getting separation. And they've got Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scatling. Well, that's the same guy well, that against Denver, he made the catch on the deep ball, right. but then he got trucked and he dropped the ball. Well, did, did, okay, listen, the dude is speedy. Oh, All yeah. right? Like, he is a deep threat that was meant to be a great value Tyreek. But, you know, here's the difference here. Deep threat is 20, 30 yards up the field. Travis Kelsey isn't. Yeah. They've got to do some, find someone who at the very least either schemes Travis o- Kelsey open or gets open because Travis Kelsey has three or four guys guarding him. They've got to find that. That's their problem. Well, that's what Travis was... Kelsey is their whole offense right now. Well, that's what I was getting. Like, Marquez Valdez-Scatling is speedy. One-on-one, he should cook whoever he's gar- whoever's guarding him if they're even close to pressed up. 
but he's not. That's the problem. Because none of these teams are worried about him. And that's the main issue here. They're starting to catch on. Hey, you know that guy that Travis Kelsey throws the ball to, or that Patrick Mahomes throws the ball to every other play that almost always is open because he doesn't have a real play route? Patrick Mahomes just has a psychic link with Travis Kelsey and knows exactly what he's going to do? Yeah, it's... Maybe we should actually guard him instead of just having a few guys playing around him and then just make the tackle after he catches it. Maybe we should actually try to lock him up. So, I want to jump into one more game. Colts-Panthers. You're, you're going to have to lead this one. I didn't catch that game. So, it when it comes to good football, no, nothing much. I mean, the Colts won 27-13. Gardner Minshew went for 127 and a touchdown. Party time! Gardner Minshew is back! Uncle Rico, baby. Uncle Rico! Uh, Jonathan Taylor had 18 carries for 47 yards, again proving why he nobody needed to pay him. Zach Moss, who was top five in the league in rushing yards. What? What do you mean nobody needed to pay him? Run, he, he seems to forget that running backs are a dime a dozen. The guy who replaced him, who they traded the fourth-round pick for last year is top five in the league in rushing. I mean, come on now. He averaged 2.6 yards a carry. Wasn't it you who was saying he was still going to have a pretty good year this year, though? I was hoping so. But then he started acting like he was the reason that running backs should get paid as much as, or should get paid so much more. No, 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 no. Listen, I've all, listen, I want, I want running backs to have a good season. Oh, yeah. And, but you know, I, I think we're starting to find this one-two punch thing that's going to end up with them at least getting longevity and getting more money in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, I said this last week. It starts at high school with all these teams that run the ball 70 times a game. Oh, yeah. Throw the ball. There's and, a reason your quarterback's not going to college. And one thing is, like, you know, Zach Moss only got seven carries for 26 yards. 3.7 yards a carry. Not much, but he also didn't get much carries to get into a groove. Right. You know, 18, in my opinion, 18 carries, you should have at least 70 yards. 100% agree with you. And he didn't. And that's one of my big issues. You know, you've got, uh, one thing is, uh, he did have a receiving touchdown, though. Jonathan Taylor had uh, Gardner Minshew's one receiving touchdown. But you say, well, if there was only one offensive touchdown, how on earth? Did they score 27 points? I'm going to let y'all in a little secret here real quick. Defense wins championships. Call me an old boomer all you want. It's true. Well. Offense sells tickets. Defense wins games. Well, playing against a number one overall pick who throws two pick sixes to Kenny Moore will give you the, extra, give you the extra points you need. So Bryce Young... Threw for 173 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Two of them being pick sixes. Two of them being pick sixes to Kenny Moore. Uh, Chuba Hubbard had a fumble, and uh, I don't. It looks like he recovered it. Oh yeah, Chuba Hubbard had a fumble, and Chandler Wooden recovered it. So I think the other touchdown came off a uh, special teams, or I think the rest of the points were just field goals. Right, but. All in all, the main reason I wanted to talk about this game, pretty much the only reason, and I want to get video of this, to the Carolina Panthers and Frank Reich as a head coach, thank you kindly for leaving C.J. Stroud to a quality football team 
who will actually make use of his talents. And then trade their best receivers away. We're not like that anymore. We've changed. We're better than that. We made a culture change. We're a different team now. C.J. Stroud can fix us. Yeah, Bryce Young cannot fix y'all. Well, I mean, I will say this much about Bryce Young. We've seen it before several times where quarterbacks that get thrown into the fray have a horrible rookie season. And then the next year, they ball out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Bryce Young, but I will say this much. I think there's a lot more to Carolina's situation than just Bryce Young isn't getting it done. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, Frank Reich, he uh, he admitted, he said that he uh, the offensive playbook has been simplified. Of course it and is. Then He's he said a rookie it, quarterback well, then he's he five said, foot four, and, and he you said can't got, see him behind the offensive line. He said it got simplified again, and then again, and again, and you got to ask, you know, at this point, are you just doing Ask Madden for all your plays? And He said that? No. Oh. And that's me as a fan, like, you can't get much simpler than that. I know it's an NFL playbook, but... And then he he also gave up play calling duties. Frank Reich did? Yeah. So, like, the OC is calling play, or offensive plays right now. So, at this point, I I think part of it has to do with the fact that he doesn't have the greatest receivers. His offensive line isn't horrid, horrid, but it's not great. Yeah, I don't think the situation's all Bryce Young. You know, I think you could stick any quarterback in Carolina right now and they'd struggle. But I will say this much, with the with how all the rookies are doing this year and with what C.J. Stroud did this weekend, it does make you wonder if that little smoke screen at the beginning of the year with C.J. Stroud might go over number one overall. Mm-hmm. I have a conspiracy theory. I think he purposefully sucked at his IQ test so he didn't look as desirable as Bryce Young did so that he'd fall in the draft. You so he so? didn't go to Carolina. Well... Here's the thing, right? Look at today's NFL. Like, look what Caleb Williams is doing right oh, now. Yeah. He's tanking the absolute tar and out of his draft stock. He's not hiding it much. Either. You think he's doing that because oh, Caleb Williams is just Caleb Williams? He's doing that so he doesn't have to go to Chicago next year. I also think it's hilarious how the second he starts doing this, Denver starts winning games. Hmm. I think that's kind of funny. Like Denver just saying, "Oh, you want to tank your draft stock? Fine, we're going to win games. Hmm. Now we're going to play good." Well. <laughs> On the S two cognition test is that's the I, it's like a little IQ intelligence test for the for those of you who don't know. It's, I think he sucked at it on purpose. It replaced the uh, Wonderlick for the NFL Combine, and CJ Stroud scored awful. I mean, ridiculously low, and everybody's like, "Well, he's not going to be able to comprehend an NFL playbook." You know, it doesn't matter that he's been playing in a pro style system at Ohio State. He just, right. He just won't be able to comprehend all that. Well. He had a bit of growing pains in the preseason, and now he's cooking everybody. Yeah, and you know that's my that's my theory. I genuinely think he just ta- he just sucked purposefully, so he didn't go number one. Because a lot of these teams that when they do go number one, it's so they can get their quarterback, but that quarterback doesn't have anything to work with, and then he ends up getting beat out his rookie season. And then everyone does this whole he's a bust, he's not that good, blah 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 blah, and then he gets stuck being QB three somewhere for four years before we never hear from him again. It's, and you know, now that NIL is a thing and that these college quarterbacks are making money, I think, especially at the quarterback position, a lot of these players are going to start saying, I'm waiting another year because I don't want to go. Well, and they can get, they might be able to get some more development in college. Exactly. Like Deion Sanders came out and talked about Shadour right away. He was like, no, he needs, he needs another year in college. 
And I do think Shador does need another year. I think one thing he's got to work on in particular is stepping forward in the pocket, getting the ball out a little sooner instead of just running backwards to mm-hmm. try to buy time. I know his O-line sucks, but there are things he can do to be a little more productive. But, you know, that'll come with time. But, um, yeah, that's that's a thing that's going to start happening. These quarterbacks aren't going to be chomping at the bit to leave college their, at the end of their sophomore year to go to the NFL. Junior year. Whatever. Manziel did it after a sophomore season. So I'm, well, that's because he got redshirted. Yeah, but, you know, there's that, like, they're not waiting. They're not going to, not all these quarterbacks are going to be jumping to the NFL right away because they're still making money and they're succeeding at college. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you stay in college, you stay on your bachelor's program. Exactly. You get your degree. You. The NFL has to do something to make being in the NFL sooner rather than later more desirable now. And I know we talked about that last week, trying to find something to keep teams from tanking or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, in this situation, I think that's just what we're looking at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because... Chicago's going to get their number one and probably number two picks overall. The only difference is going to be which one's Carolina's pick and which one isn't. I think the Cardinals actually right now hold the uh, number one pick. It's like a three-way tie between... Right. Chicago, Chicago, and Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) Chicago, Chicago via Carolina and Arizona. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with the draft in a few months. But that's just... So that's something that's going to have to play out. Teams are going to have to figure out what they want to do. I think I think Bryce Young needs to have one good game this year. He has not had one good game. He's had one win, but that's all we can do. He's really had one him. win, and he's had one decent performance, I think, in my right. opinion. And, you know, granted, they do need to build that team up a lot more than just a quarterback, and hopefully next year they do that. It's going to be kind of difficult because they don't have the number two pick in the draft next year. Well, listen, he's playing but, in the AFC South, or the, not, the NFC South. Yep, with those teams. quarterback greats like Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, and T- Taylor Heineke. Now, thank you. But like, great division of quarterbacks. He's in an awful division. He should at least get one really good game against one of those teams. You know, season's still early. It's possible that it'll happen. But, yeah, well, but I shouldn't say early, but you know, there's still plenty of time left in the season. But if he wants to avoid being called a bust, he's going to have to have one good game. Right. But, you know, we'll see what happens uh, in the meantime. Thanks for listening, y'all. This is In The Zone on 91.3 Real College Radio. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at In The Zone Radio. Follow us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, at We Are In The Zone. Um, check out on Spotify. We like to put a lot of polls on our stuff. We'd love to hear your guys' opinion on things. You know, comment on the Instagram. Tag us on Twitter or on tweets that you do. You know, or X, How do you call that now? X, I guess. X's that you do. Uh, no, it, X is, no, it's Twitter. It's, it's Twitter. Let's call them tweets. You know what we mean. They're tweets still. We'll call them <laughs> tweets. But, uh, you know, tag us on tweets. Give us your opinion. We'd like to hear what you guys have to think about things we say, things that are going on outside in the, you know, in the sports world. Maybe you have a hot take that's either really cool or, or really, really, really bad. But we want to hear them. All right. And uh, definitely tune in next week. Uh, I won't say anything. Too, I won't say anything too specific, but next week we've got some got something really special for y'all. So make sure y'all tune in. We'll see y'all next week. See you then.